Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by their good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a terrific job, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today featuring special guest Andrew Joppa. He's a professor and also author of a terrific read off topic for today's discussion, but it's called uh, Josefa Savaz. We're visiting with Andy about things that are going on, uh, both culturally and politically here in the United States. It is July the 12th, and on this day in 1861, Special Commissioner Albert Pike completed treaties with members of the Choctaw and Chickasaw tribes, giving the new Confederate States of America several allies in Indian territory. Some members of the tribes also fought for the Confederacy. So did you ever wonder uh, whatever happened to the tribes and to the uh, Indians in the Civil War? Well, many of them lined up with the Confederates. A Boston native, Pike, went west in 1831 and traveled with fur trappers and traders. He settled in Arkansas and became a noted poet, author, and teacher. He bought a plantation and operated a newspaper, The Arkansas Advocate. By 1837, he was practicing law and often uh, represented Native Americans in disputes with the federal government. He was opposed to secession, but nonetheless sided with his adopted state when it left the Union. As ambassador to Native Americans, he was a fortunate addition to the Confederacy, which was seeking to form alliances with tribes of Indian Territory. Besides the agreements with the Choctaw and Chickasaw tribes, Pike had also engineered treaties with the Creek, the Seminole, Comanche, and Catos, among others. Ironically, many of these tribes had been expelled from southern states in the 1830s and 40s, but still chose to ally with themselves with the states during the war. The grudges they held against the Confederate states were offset by their animosity towards the federal government. Native Americans were also bothered by Republican rhetoric during the 1860 election. Some of Abraham Lincoln's supporters, such as William Seward, argued that the land of the tribes in Indian Territory should be appropriated for distribution to white settlers. When the war began in 1861, Secretary of War Simon Cameron ordered all posts in Indian Territory abandoned to free up military resources uh, for use in the Confederacy, leaving the area open to invasion by Confederates. By signing these treaties, the tribes severed their relationships with the federal government, much in the way the southern states did by seceding from the Union. They were accepted into the Confederate States of America, and they sent representatives to the Confederate Congress. The Confederate government promised to protect the Native American land and their holdings and to fulfill the obligations uh, such an annuity payments made by the, by the federal government. Some of these tribes even sent troops to serve in Confederate Army, and one Cherokee, uh, Stand Wadi, uh, rose to the rank of Brigadier General. Most tribal leaders in the Indian Territory aligned with the Confederacy, but as a home guard, the unit arose to support the Union. From 1778 to 1871, the United States signed some 368 treaties with various indigenous people across uh, North American continent. <clears throat> aligning with the Confederates in 1861. 
Well, Governor Ron DeSantis announced that Hometown Heroes Payment Program, Assistance Program, reached $20 million in applications within the first week of launching the program's second year of funding, which includes $11 million in applications on the first day alone. With the support of the governor and legislature, the Hometown Heroes Program was expanded to allow even more hardworking Floridians to utilize this assistance when purchasing their first home in the communities they serve. Last year, the program provided more than $100 million for Florida's hometown heroes. In its first year of funding, the Hometown Heroes Program helped more than 6,700 first responders, veterans, nurses, educators, purchase homes in the community they serve, said the governor. Now the program has expanded, and I look forward to serving uh, even more Floridians in the coming year. The program is now available to all Florida hometown workers in any occupation who serve uh, who earn less than 150% of their county's area media income, or AMI. Additionally, hometown heroes can apply for a maximum down payment assistance amount of $35,000. To be eligible for the program, homeowners must have a certain credit score and uh, meet other qualifications. Pretty neat program, and the governor's, you know, what this does, it allows people who are working in our communities who are serving us, allowed them to have an equity stake and ownership in the community, and I think that's a great thing. Not clear to me whether this is a loan or a gift. I assume it's a loan, an industry or low-interest loan. I don't know that. For my, uh, I would have preferred to be a loan. In an overall disappointing jobs report for June, guess what industry hired the most new workers last month? Well, if you guessed the government, you'd be absolutely right. The pace of government hiring has nearly tripled so far this year from 23,000 per month last year to 66,000 so far this year. Even worse is that netting out the downward revisions and job created from April and May, there was a net increase in total employment of only 99,000, of which 60,000 were additions to state, local, and federal payrolls. In other words, government accounted for more than half of the new jobs created in June. Meanwhile, Congress is adding thousands of fake private sector jobs that are the result of a Biden spending and borrowing spree. The only way the government can get money to pay for government jobs is, of course, to pull money out of the private sector. We should have learned from the Obama years that government subsidies to industries just leads to fraud and bankruptcies. You remember uh, Solyndra? I certainly do. A productive economy increases private jobs and cuts extraneous government jobs. Joe Biden and his administration are doing exactly the opposite. Well, last month in a science conference in Korea, Dr. John Clauser, joint recipient of last year's Nobel Prize in physics, told his fellow scientists, and here's a quote, I don't think there's a real climate crisis. I think the key processes are exaggerated and misunderstood by a factor of about 200, he said. He's willing to name names. He recently even criticized the award of the 2021 Nobel Prize in Physics to Manaby and Klaus Hasselmann for their work on the physical modeling of the Earth's climate, reliably predicting global warming. Klauser said that uh, most common climate models are unreliable and don't account for the dramatic temperature stabilizing feedback of clouds, which he says is more than 50 times as powerful as the warming effect of carbon dioxide. In May, Dr. Klauser joined the CO2 Coalition, a watchdog on climate science, and issued a statement saying, misguided climate science has metastasized into massive shock journalistic pseudoscience, he said. 
He added that the climate change alarmism has been promoted and extended by similarly misguided business marketing agents, politicians, journalists, government agencies, and environmentalists. In other words, he's warning about the multi-trillion dollar climate change industrial complex that we've all been railing against for years. And here's how the brilliant truth teller even received a Nobel Prize is beyond us. Don't be surprised if the Academy doesn't ask him to give the prize back. Wouldn't surprise me in the least. True, uh, true telling. It's very refreshing to see somebody who got the prize is now speaking out against the climate uh, change hoax. While another property insurer is dropping out of Florida, uh, Farmers Insurance will stop writing new business and not renew its existing farmers-branded automobile, home, and umbrella policies in the Sunshine State, state the company said. On Monday, Farmers sent notices of its plans to Florida Office of Insurance Regulation, which is reviewing it. Insurers must give the, the office 90 days notice that they want to discontinue writing business in Florida. <clears throat> this business decision was necessary to effectively manage risk exposure, the company said in a statement. Uh, Florida, on average, was paying about uh, we're paying about $6,000 a year for their homeowner insurance premium, an increase of 42% compared with last year, said Mark Freelander, spokesperson for the Insurance Information Institute. By comparison, the average annual premium in the United States cost $1,700. The move will impact 30% of the company's business in Florida, or roughly 100,000 policies. Some policyholders affected by the decision are required to give 120 days notice that their coverage will be, not be renewed. Farmers joins uh, Bankers Insurance, Centauri Insurance, and Lexington Insurance, a subsidiary of AIG, in withdrawing from the market since last year. This is uh, not good news for the governor and for the state legislature. They're working to attract more insurers into the state and make it more competitive so that uh, businesses, insurance companies will compete for the business. And uh, it's going to be a setback for the governor and the legislature. Hopefully, they'll be able to address this. Needless to say, both none of these people are very pleased with the uh, farmer's decision. <laughs> Nor should we as consumers. President Joe Biden has raised eyebrows after skipping the NATO dinner on Tuesday night, instead heading straight to the hotel in Lithuania, a U.S. official blamed the 80-year-old's president's busy schedule over four days and said he's preparing for a big speech on Wednesday when he's asked what he, why he wasn't attending. He's uh, only been in Europe since Sunday and Sunday night and went to the beach on sad, Saturday Had Secretary of State Anthony Blinken attend the dinner instead. So, uh... He was kind of wobbly when he first got there with the King of England. Now he's uh, skipping dinners and, and the events. Our president, so embarrassing on the national, on international stage. Well, Georgia Democrat state representative announced she is switching parties from her leftist colleagues crucified her when she chose to support school choice, adding that Democrat Party has gotten away with using and abusing the black community. She's Mesha Maynard, who represents District 656, the Peach State, announced on Tuesday she's officially switching her party registration from Democrat to Republican. Today I made the decision to leave the Democrat Party. I represent a blue district in the county, or the city of Atlanta. So this wasn't a political decision for me. It was a moral one, she said in a media post. I will never apologize for being a black woman with a mind of my own, she said. When I decided to stand up on behalf of disadvantaged children in support of my school choice, 
My Democrat colleagues didn't stand with me, she said. Uh, Democrat colleagues crucified her for supporting school choice and standing up uh, the efforts to defund the police. She said uh, she has uh, always stood in, in the type of politician who will work across the aisle to deliver results for my community. And when I was elected to represent them, uh, they abandoned me, she said, explaining that her decision to leave the Democrat Party is not a political one, but a moral one. For too long, the Democrat Party has gotten away with using and abusing black people and black the black community. I represent a solidly blue, highly diverse district, and have never hesitated and will never hesitate to vote for the best interest of the communities I represent, she said. That includes school choice, parents' rights, and opportunities for children to thrive, especially those that are marginalized and uh, fail to attend school. She said in a video revealing that Democrats at the Capitol took a hard position and demanded every Democrat vote against children and for the teachers' union. I voted yes for parents and yes for children and not failing school, she said, declaring that she will not apologize uh, for her colleagues for refusing uh, to bow to their demands. My community loves the fact that someone is finally sticking up for them and holding the system accountable, she said, uh, explaining that Democrats were upset with her for not doing what they demanded like a good little girl, she said. Uh, it's just, a, 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 to me, very refreshing to hear this, and I hope that uh, her constituents are listening to her message or perhaps make the same decision, too, because we've seen time and time again uh, pandering to the black community by the Democrat Party and the results, just those communities actually get worse, schools get worse, and it's time that uh, I'm just really, really pleased for her that she stood up and took what she calls a moral standing. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josefa Savaz. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Andrew Joppa, and he's a professor. He's also a good friend, too, as you can tell, and uh, also an author of a terrific read. It's called Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So we typically start, and we've been doing this interview, I guess, for over a decade. For a long time, we've been doing doing these interviews. And uh, we usually start off with some good news. The story behind that is that, uh, in many cases, I tend to see through rose-colored glasses, and you tend to be a little bit of a skeptic. So do you have any good news for us today? I've got several good news stories, Bob. Uh, some of them are just emotionally satisfying stories for me, and others have, have a real implication. Uh, one of the more emotionally satisfying stories was, <clears throat> I'm sorry about that, that uh, Anthony Fauci may have to pay back his last year of compensation at the National Institute of Health wow. uh, because he was never legally rehired for that last year. So, uh, again, that's not a major story in terms of its implication, but... Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see it happening. I, I hope there was a, uh, a further pursuit of Fauci uh, once the administration changes in 2024, uh, because Fauci, I believe, has, has committed serious crimes against the American people. And I, I'm glad to see that particular element of his compensation being, uh, being addressed. Well, I, I had not heard that, but it just pleases putting a smile on my face as well. And you're quite right. I mean, paying back that income is one thing, but he's he he deserves a lot more. I would say review of what's happened in terms of justice, but also punishment for if, if in fact he's found guilty, and I'm sure he will be. It should be. And I uh, I had watched the the interview of uh, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. on Jesse Waters and. Uh, although uh, Kennedy did not directly say that he was, uh, if he was elected president, of course, was going to bring legal charges, he said certainly uh, if that was the, the case, he would have no problem bringing legal charges uh, against Fauci. And certainly in some of his previous writings, uh, Kennedy has certainly laid out a significant case that, that Fauci has, in fact, acted in what can only be described a, as a criminal manner. So uh, I'm glad to see this, this developing momentum. As as to what happened during the entire horror show of the uh, of the COVID nineteen uh, episode in world history, Bob. Yeah, me too. And by the way, you'd mentioned uh, Jesse Waters' interview of Robert Kennedy. I saw that interview. Uh, t- 
to me, Je I lost some respect for Jesse Waters, I must say, in that interview. He just did the, he was trying to make it about him as opposed to talking to uh, a candidate for presidency of the United States. Yeah, I, I thought uh, one of the problems I always had with Jesse Waters moving into the 8 o'clock primetime slot was uh, he's, he certainly is a, a, a humorous commentator. Uh, he seems to want to make light of everything. He certainly mm -hmm. did that several times with Robert Kennedy Jr. And, and uh, RFK Jr. is a serious person and a serious candidate. I thought it, I thought it deserved a more, uh, more appropriate tone during the conversation, but that's... Uh, again, Jesse Waters' style, and he, I don't think Waters can be uh, faulted for it in the sense that Fox chose him for that slot. Uh, but I think we need to look at these people as, uh, as serious people, and they have to be treated in, a, in that manner. Bob. Well, I'll say this. I think Robert Kennedy, I'm sure we differ on a number of issues, but I think he's an honest man, <laughs> and that's very refreshing in the Democrat Party. Or, or any place in America, for that matter. Now, his chances of winning the nomination are, are, are very, very slim. Uh, but again, I think he's added a, a significant amount to the, uh, to the American dialogue at this point. So I'm, I'm glad to see that happening. Uh, I'm not as optimistic about the uh, potentials for the Republican debates. Uh, I do not think that Trump should go on the stage where the entire intent, intent of everyone else on that stage will be to damage him. He's ahead of almost everyone, of everyone, by about 50 percentage points. Uh, and I think that uh, to make himself the foil of their comments is just is just not necessary for him. He is the front runner, uh, and for him to put himself up there to be abused, I think, is, is just not something that's appropriate. Did you see that uh, uh, Tucker Carlson is uh, hosting a forum featuring several GOP candidates this Friday at, on Blaze Media? No, I did not. Uh, you, uh, what else do you have on that? Well, it's not much except for the fact that it's not been promoted a lot. You would expect to see the, uh, the word spread on this, but uh, very little promotion. But again, it's going to be streamed live. At, I think it's 10 a.m. It's going to feature Nikki Haley, uh, Asa Hutchinson, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, of course, uh, Mike Pence, conspicuously absent, of course, will be uh, Donald Trump. He says he has a conflict. Well, if, if, if Asa Hutchinson's going to be there, I can't miss it, Bob. <laughs> the question is, what pronoun are you going to use to address? <laughs> uh, so, look, uh, you, you know, I'm a, I'm a Trump supporter. Uh, I've, I've been a Trump supporter strong since 2016. Um, and, again, I, uh, I just do not want to see this man uh, imposed, uh, have, it, have it imposed on him the abuse that I'm sure that will take place. Especially if Christie makes it to the uh, to the debate stage, but, right, right. You know, we'll we'll see how that plays out. I know you're a supporter of these uh, of these primaries. Uh, I understand your point. I uh, I'm not sure if these things will develop uh, any any reasonable discussions. I I do like Vivek Ramaswamy. I think he's a a good man, intelligent man with some good ideas. Not a presidential candidate, but uh, but certainly a, a good man. So yeah. I, I I'd like to see some of these these men on platforms where where they really could, in fact, impact on the American dialogue. Uh, but the presidency is a, is a very specific position that, that requires so many different attributes, attributes that I believe Donald Trump during his four years showed in spades, Bob. 
Well, I agree. And uh, as you and I have discussed in the past, I'm supporting Trump, too, for this upcoming election. I do think Ron DeSantis is a great governor, and I think he'd do a good job as president in 2028. My view is I think he's getting some really good experience right now and finding out, kind of testing the waters and how this all works. I think he'll be a better candidate in 2020 for the 2028 election. Well, I, I hope that's all true. My biggest concern with DeSantis, who I do really admire, I think he's done a great job as governor, is that in some way this, this process of, uh, of uh, being involved with the direct challenge to Trump in 2024 uh, will, in fact, in some way damage him. I'm not predicting it will. Uh, I'm just suggesting that is my concern. Yeah. So I do not want to lose DeSantis as a viable uh, presidential uh, uh, nominee in 2028, Bob. Makes sense. Uh, Andy, you need to take a little break and just stick around? I'll be here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospell Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. You're a valued professional RN. There's a path that takes you to the next level. Hodges University offers an RN to BSN program that, like you, is way above average. RNs with a BSN have a faster track to pursuing leadership positions and can see faster hourly rate increases than those with an ASN. You can earn your BSN with Hodges in just one year. Classes are online and start in August. Scholarships are available. Become the next level nursing professional. Do more. Earn more. Be more. Visit Hodges.edu today. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. Uh, They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies going into the legislature. And you can find out more by visiting the very robust website, thefga.org, thefga.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. No place I'd rather be, Bob. (laughs) Thank you, Andy. Uh, Any more good news for us? Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a recent announcement uh, down in Georgia. Five uh, Republican uh, congressmen have announced an, an act they're proposing, which is, which is called the American uh, Confidence in Elections Act. I can't think of anything that would be more important than doing that. <clears throat> of course, uh, once, if this ever makes it to uh, a legislative situation, uh, I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of pushback. Uh, they're doing this down in Georgia, I- introducing the potential of this act uh, because of Georgia's 2020, 
2021 election integrity laws, uh, and pretty much their legislation uh, would uh, would mimic those laws. But as we go forward, I, I can't think of uh, many things that are more important then, well, two things that are associated with it. First of all, actually having uh, a legal election, obviously. Second is to restore the confidence in the elections of the American people. A democracy or a representative or a republic as we are cannot survive if the elections are seen as in any way tainted. And certainly at this point, the majority of Americans see that. So I think this is a very important situation, and I hope it unfolds completely in its potential, Bob. Just reminds me again of the uh, woman who uh, changed parties yesterday. Did you see that story? Uh, I saw that. Yeah, in Georgia, I believe. Uh, you know, I think these are these are good stories. She's an African American woman. Uh, I was I was very pleased to see that happening. More than more important than changing parties is her narrative and why she did it. She just feels that, you know, people, uh, their, her community. Uh, black people deserve the opportunity for school choice. They deserve, in other words, she's basically saying that the, the Democrat situation, what she's been pushed and forced and coerced to do as a Democrat, is not in the best interest of her constituents, and she wants a change. And she thought the best way to do that was become a Republican. I, look, I think those are certainly valid considerations. I uh, many people uh, have asked the question as to why there is. Uh, most typically, uh, approximately a 90% support at national and local elections uh, of the black community for the for the Democrat candidate. It doesn't it doesn't make sense in terms of the the policies. I think a case can be made and defended uh, that it was Democrat policies that changed entirely the right. very very upward graph line of. Of, uh, of black economic growth from the 50s into the early 60s, and that uh, it was Democrat policies that essentially ended that uh, that uh, successful uh, uh, movement, Bob. Uh, so I've, I've never quite understood that. Um, I, I know a lot of people suggest Republicans have not been uh, uh, successful or even uh, uh, meaningful in entering the black community and making their case. Uh, I think it's far more than that. I am not sure exactly how to define it, Bob. Well, great points, Andy, and uh, you're absolutely right. Election integrity is a just key point, and that is good news uh, for us. By the way, did you see <clears throat> Tucker Carlson has come out with a new interview? It's two and a half hours long. It's an interview of Andrew Tate, kind of controversial guy living in Romania, and he was in Europe, and he did this two and a half hour interview. Now, it's 24 hours later since it's been posted, not even 24 hours. It's already received 31 million reviews, million views on, uh, I believe it's on uh, uh, Rumble. <laughs> it's uh, just an amazing story. And it, of course, uh, you, I know you know Andrew Tate. He's kind of a controversial figure right now because he's been uh, made some charges against him, including sex trafficking. And he's uh, was in jail and now he's on house arrest in Romania. <clears throat> but he's also a champion of uh, uh, American maleness or of uh, uh, people, uh, man or men asserting their manhood. Well, look, there's little that, let me just say that I, I've seen prior interviews with uh, Tucker Carlson and, and Tate, <clears throat> and uh, I, I really enjoyed them. 
obviously, because that aligns with my, my, my personal views. Uh, but there's a, certainly a significant case to be made that the diminishment of, of male values has been a major uh, problem. I would call it collectively the feminization of the American male, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the, the loss of the attributes that, uh, that males would bring to the table. Uh, I think that the attributes of males in the public schools for young kids have been uh, been diminished by uh, by with intent by the by the teachers. Uh, I think the case has been made a wrong case that uh, it is girls that suffer in the public schools. It is undoubtedly uh, young males that suffer in these schools where who they are is attacked as being inherently inherently inappropriate, Bob. So true. In any event, I just encourage uh, you and uh, our listeners to, to, if it's a controversial interview, obviously, uh, Tucker Carlson took the time to do this. It is just a riveting interview, though, and uh, covers a lot of really important topics. So uh, just uh, Google Tucker Carlson and and the interview of Andrew Tape. Well worth watching. I'm going to catch up with that uh, on your recommendation, and I, I uh, I did enjoy the prior interview. Uh, but let me just suggest, uh, in regards to your comment, that it's controversial. I would suggest anything that's meaningful, that's being said uh, in America, will be controversial. I don't think there's any way around it. <clears throat> so there's no issue uh, of, of any significance that can be discussed in America without it being turned into something controversial by, by the Democrat Party uh, and by the media that supports them, Bob. Great point, Andy. So uh, any other good news? Uh, yeah, there is a good story that uh, I think is, is worth mentioning. Um, uh, Karen Bragdon, who is the president and CEO of the uh, Foundation for Government Accountability, has just uh, taken on the Biden administration, and uh, he said they have used their power uh, to force certain political goals that really judge people based on the color of their skin or maybe even their gender identity. Now, this is, this is quite an obvious statement, but, the, uh, but coming from uh, Taryn Bragdon, I think it's gaining uh, traction. <clears throat> Excuse me, that traction has been picked up by the uh, by Heritage Foundation, and they uh, somewhat interpreted the Bragdon's comments as uh, somewhat of a focus on the FBI. And so the, the Heritage Foundation came out with a, a long list of, of comments about the, uh, the problems in the current FBI and made some significant suggestions uh, as to how to reform the FBI, if it can be reformed at all, as compared to just being totally disbanded. So I think this is, again, an important discussion. I think we can make, uh, I can make a general comment that the FBI cannot be allowed to continue to exist within its public form and its continued politicization of almost every issue in America, Bob. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I just thought you wanted to do a shout out to Taryn Bragdon. He's been a great leader for the Foundation for Government Accountability, <clears throat> organization that started about a decade ago, now has about a $13 million budget per year, and it does a terrific job of, of helping position issues uh, that support conservative values and, and uh Good legislation. So, again, the FGA, by the way, is the website, the FGA. I, I think the fact that this, uh, this comment by Bagdon has been picked up and uh, uh, been, uh, been commented on, I think, is an indication of the, uh, the growing uh, power, influence, let's call it, forget power, uh, of his organization. And I think that's, that's good news. Somewhat in keeping with this, with this entire story, I had uh, read where uh, Chairman Jim Jordan of, 
uh, the House Judiciary Committee, uh, has indicated that he is looking at trying to move FBI headquarters from Washington, I believe, down to Huntsville, Alabama. I saw uh, that. I think it's a good idea. I think many bureaucracies should perhaps be moved out of Washington. But, of course, his intent is to uh, try to take the FBI away, away from, the, uh, from the constant uh, influence uh, of, obviously, the, 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 the political environment that is Washington, D.C. So I think that's, that's a good idea. I don't think it's an idea in the uh, totality of what is needed, but I think uh, it would go a, a certain way towards, towards helping the, the FBI reform itself. Well, I, I think it's a great idea to decentralize Washington, D.C. I mean, to move it to Huntsville, Alabama, I don't understand his reasoning on Huntsville, but nevertheless, I think it's a good idea. And I think that would encourage people to uh, voluntarily retire early or whatever it might be because they don't want to leave uh, Washington, D.C. I think we should uh, actually move the Department of Homeland Security uh, to El Paso, Texas. If that would be a, a good place to put them. So, uh, and by the way, I think Huntsville, because there's a large FBI a regional office already there, so I, I think it was built around the, the existing capability yeah. in Huntsville of the FBI, but uh, I'm not uh, absolutely positive about that, but I think it's I think it's a good idea. I, there's another good news story. I, I know it's one that you're you're familiar with the uh, the success of uh, two movies, uh, The Chosen and The Sound of Freedom. Both low budget movies. Both are getting tremendous traction. Uh, certainly in a in a movie going environment where where Disney and most of the woke uh, movie producers are being absolutely humiliated uh, in terms of box office draw. Uh, so to, to to see these type of movies, uh, very uh, very value laden movies, the cha- the chosen and uh, Sound of Freedom. I, I know I, I believe you've seen the Sound of Freedom. Uh, I think though it's a very good indication about uh, the direction that America is moving in, Bob. Absolutely, and I do recommend. Thank you for bringing that up because. Uh, uh, the Sound of Freedom is such a terrific and impactful movie. It's a very inspiring story. It's a true story of a guy who was a Homeland Security agent and ended up uh, leaving his job to go save children uh, who have been uh, uh, kidnapped, uh, sex, sex trafficked for uh, sexual predator, bisexual predators, and so forth. Terrific story. And uh, very also just it creates so much awareness to the problem that we have here. Ironically... Uh, the FBI, or the, the Department of Justice, removed all information about sex trafficking of children from its website just in the month of May. Can you believe that? I, I can believe it, because I can at this point believe anything, Bob, in terms <laughs> yeah. of the FBI. Uh, so it's not a problem. I guess what uh, my growth experience in terms of this <clears throat> issue is, I, I would have uh, positioned that... Uh, the sex trafficking of children as a as a as an important but a uh, not a major issue in terms of its number of impacts. Uh, but again, over the last two years or so, uh, I would say I become uh, tremendously informed. Unfortunately, I would say uh, of the extent uh, of this problem. This is a major problem. Uh, it is a worldwide problem, uh, and it's not just a, a one of minimal impact. This is one of major impact, Bob. It's so true, Andy, and uh, uh, apparently the United States is a major market for sex trafficking of little boys and girls. It's just unbelievable. So um, <laughs> it's it's a big problem. And uh, I, I, I would mention, I, I wish Jeffrey Epstein had not committed suicide, uh, I say sarcastically, 
uh, I think there would have been a lot of revealing information yep. uh, about some of the big names. I, I think it's amazing uh, that some of the people involved with this uh, with this uh, trafficking certainly are the the ultra rich. Uh, and again, the very influential. So I think that's that's very unfortunate. But I think we can identify both of those things uh, as being uh, demographic descriptives uh, of those involved with this process. And you need to take another break. Can you stick around? I'll, I'll be here. Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Gain the skills you want so you'll be in demand by employers. That's what Hodges University's workforce readiness is all about. Choose your specialty from EV technician, automation, robotics, real estate, insurance, and electronics, to programming boot camps, supply chain management, and more. These classes are online, affordable, and focused on what you need to know. Learn more today by visiting Hodges.edu and clicking on Workforce Readiness. Because with Hodges University, you'll stay near and go far. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more about the Performing Arts Center being built in downtown Naples. Get tickets to the upcoming performances. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa, again, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Again. Good morning again. So, uh, any thoughts about what's happening now with uh, with uh, Ukraine? Yeah, and uh, I've got several thoughts that are uh, unrelated uh, to themselves, but uh, related to uh, to Ukraine. Uh, right now, there's a NATO meeting in Lithuania. I would, first of all, just as an aside comment, <clears throat> my voice is really off this morning. I apologize for that. Uh, but again, uh, in every uh, circumstance I've seen uh, President Biden in Lithuania, in every circumstance, he is being uh, elbow-guided off the stage and directed off the stage by generally somebody his age or somebody older than him. This, uh, this uh, disconnect that, that Biden displays, it's, they, these are not just political ad hominem comments. Uh, he stands uh, blank-eyed looking at the press uh, during questioning periods.
idiots. Uh, this is this is a man that represents this country during a critical time in this country's history. And uh, I can't. I, I, of course, I, I absolutely know that the European leaders at these meetings understand that this man is not not up to the task, Bob. So that, that's just an aside comment on this thing. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just add to that. Yes. I find it embarrassing that he's our leader on an international stage. Oh, look, I, I think that's, that's, to me, obviously true. I don't think anyone can deny it. I'm, I'm still amazed that uh, he's, he has 60% support among Democrats in terms of the, uh, the nomination for 2024. That's, that's mind-boggling that anybody would, uh, would know anything about this man, not only his, his impairments, uh, whatever that has caused them, uh, but also his general, general lack of ethics as it, and legality as it pertains to the episodes that we're all familiar with. So uh, it's a very disheartening to find that 60% of those polled, 60% of Democrat voters, would support uh, uh, Joe Biden in a primary. So, uh, But that's, that's a significant story uh, into itself. If we look at what's going on in Lithuania, uh, most of it pertains to the possible entrance of uh, of Ukraine into uh, NATO. Uh, the debate is there. I think that uh, Biden has actually indicated a, uh, an appropriate position that it has to be a, <clears throat> a time-related issue, not, not something with any immediacy to it. I think that's, uh, that's probably the right position. If you're going to advocate for NATO uh, membership for, for Ukraine at all, and right. I, I, have, uh, I find that a, a dubious position to take, uh, but we're looking at that right now. I find very little conversation in uh, in NATO, the NATO members, uh, about peace. Everything is about how to wage more successful war. Now, look, I think that there that discussion, uh, if you're an advocate for uh, the absolute right of self-defense of Ukraine, I know many people are, perhaps most people are, that case can be made. Uh, but on the other hand, to ignore peace as, a, as the most... Uh, appropriate destination, uh, I think, is certainly inappropriate and, and in my estimation, uh, very revealing. There's, there's very little concern with peace in that area. And I think as long as this uh, Ukraine uh, circumstance stays open, uh, it becomes a more dangerous situation uh, as time unfolds. Yeah. Uh, if we look now at the United States uh, sending of, of cluster bombs to, uh, to Ukraine, and by the way, cluster bombs uh, by international treaties signed on by a, by a hundred members uh, have been, their use has been described as a war crime. Uh, so again, we're looking at, and this is not something that Russia, Ukraine, or the United States signed on to. Uh, but on the other hand, a hundred nations around the world have seen cluster bombs as being uh, so uh, dangerous uh, that they should be described as war, act, criminal war activities when they're used. Uh, the reason being is that, uh, first of all, they're, they're, they're exploded at altitude. They contain each cl large cluster bomb contains approximately a, a hundred a smaller weapons, a hundred uh, bombs, let's call them. Uh, they're dispersed over a large area, which uh, makes it very difficult to control the kill radius. Uh, and again, it's been estimated that up to, up to, uh, 40% of these cluster bombs do not explode as they should yeah. uh, on contact, which leaves these in the ground uh, very similar to landmines. And so the reasons for having outlawed this is it uh, extends the potential for civilian casualties dramatically and leaves 
these uh, these unexploded cluster bombs in the ground uh, for an indefinite time period, per- perhaps even forever. So this this willingness uh, to expand this uh, this use of cluster bombs, uh, an action chosen by the United States in opposition to generally a worldwide opposition to these bombs, uh, to me is is diminishing uh, diminishes the United States uh, as a an advocate. Let's uh, for peace. Uh, in the world at this point, Bob. I would agree, and, and, and to deliver the message saying, "Well, we're sending you cluster bombs because we're out of ammo." My <laughs> goodness! Well, I mean, you know, in, in the first place, that that remark has been attacked as as having revealed a a security issue right. of the United States that we're running out of 155 uh, howitzer ammunition. Uh, now, the public uh, believes, I think, that uh, these these uh, production units to create these weapons, including some of the rockets that are going to be shipped possibly to, uh, to Ukraine, American long-range rockets, missiles. Uh, certainly the, these, these things are not produced constantly. Uh, the capability to produce them does not stay in place. Uh, so it's not just a matter of you throw the switch and you start, to, uh, mar- start making artillery shells or long-range missiles again. Once these things are depleted, it will take you years uh-huh. uh, to, repl- to replace those uh, in our arsenal. So uh, th- these are, these are uh, dangerous circumstances for the United States, and I think those that ethically uh, diminish the United States in the eyes of the world, Bob. I agree with that, Andy. I, here's an idea. Uh, maybe a message to uh, Zelensky is, hey, you want to be in NATO? Uh, go make peace with the Russians. Get a peace agreement, and uh, we'll consider it. Yeah, I, I think Russia should be admitted to NATO. Yeah, I, just, I think uh, yeah, that, that would be the, the easiest answer. Have everybody go into NATO. But, uh, you know, as we point, pointed out on the show uh, several times, or I have in, on your show, uh, if we go back to the uh, the, the uh, end of the Soviet Union, uh, ever since that moment and the emergence of the Russian Federation, uh, there has been a, a, a constant uh, aggressiveness shown towards the Russian Federation, even though it, is, it was no longer the Soviet Union. Yeah. And look, Putin, Putin has understood this. And right now, with almost a thousand-mile border of Ukraine with uh, with the Russian Federation, uh, I think this is uh, this is seen by by Putin as very aggressive acts. I think if if uh, they make a bad decision and uh, Ukraine were to be admitted to uh, to um, NATO right now, it would be a, a de facto declaration of war by NATO against Russia. Absolutely, Andy. We need to take a break. Can you stick around? I'll be here. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. 
Provence restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. ask yourself why people are the way they are. If you're fascinated by human behavior and you want to make a career of it, you know where you need to start? Hodges University with a bachelor's degree in applied psychology. Your professors are practicing professionals that bring your classes to life with life chat discussions and various projects. You know, having a deeper understanding of what motivates people can lead to careers in counseling, sales, human resources. Your passion can be your career. So get started today. What are you waiting for? Visit Hodges.edu or stop by their campus in Fort Myers. They're at the corner of Colonial and Winkler. Because with Hodges University, you're going to stay near and go far. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you that Lulabee's Diner serves great breakfast and lunch. In fact, that's where Andy Job and I meet constantly, regularly for our breakfast. Now serving dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. It is terrific. The food's great. The menu's great. Uh, it's casual and uh, in, in, inexpensive. So uh, it's Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. And I would add that Lulabee's has the best coffee in Naples, Florida. That's <laughs> a great, it is a great place, Andy. So uh, I want to ask you one, about... Uh, uh, sort of extended story from the Ukraine discussion, uh, which is the use of drones, the total use, the growing use of artificial intelligence. Originally, drones were being used primarily for surveillance, but, but now they're being uh, extended into uh, actually being almost long-range uh, uh, offensive weapons. Uh, this is a, a growing phenomenon, and I think a, a dangerous phenomenon, uh, because there's a, a, a growing move towards developing what can be called uh, autonomous offensive military weapons. Uh, autonomous uh, weapons would be uh, programmed to, in fact, uh, target and uh, achieve targets uh, based on their own recognition. In other words, the, uh, if it's a drone, let's, let's use it, a drone as the best example. The drone would be programmed to identify certain characteristics of, of people on the ground and would launch attacks based on its own information, uh, internal information. Uh, so this growing use of autonomous weapons uh, is there. Uh, I have heard a prediction recently that by 2030, that all wars will be fought by uh, the battle between nations using autonomous uh, uh, weapons of war. Uh. Uh, so again, I think this is a dangerous trend. I think that it uh, it takes the uh, the the pain of war. 
uh, out of the equation to a certain extent in terms of human pain uh, and makes it far easier to uh, to uh, to engage in warfare uh, most of this then would have uh, the majority of its impact on civilian populations uh, so this is a a, a growing threat uh, i have just read recently that uh, that uh, communist China has developed a what they call a neuro dis disruptor. Uh, it can be launched from a drone. It's a, uh, a device that uh, effectively disrupts the intellectual capability of people uh, that are affected by it, impacted by it, uh, makes them unable to think clearly or rationally. Uh, I, I don't know the uh, the if this is in total fulfillment at this point, but I, I'm just bringing that up as a an indication of what type of things uh, might be used uh, in this autonomous warfare circumstance. So that is that issue, uh, autonomous uh, weapons of war, to me is a very serious issue as we go forward. I would say so. And what you just described sounds like chemical warfare to me, which, of course, is prohibited according to certain treaties. Well, there is there is certainly movement right now. There are many organizations that are that are trying to make um, the these use of autonomous weapons uh, as illegal as chemical and biological weapons. So you're you're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, we're not there yet, uh, and so there other organizations are are. Are, are suggesting that, for example, the United States can control their use, limit their use, and make them safe. Uh, that's the uh, strange word, safe, because that never happens yeah. in reality. Uh, and yet, when we look at nations at war, is there any way to uh, to seriously suppress their their development and ultimate usage? There's not a circumstance in world history where that where that has happened, Bob. So uh, I'm concerned about it. Uh, I think that the uh, if this if this by the way, just I don't want to. I think we're probably going to run out of time for affirmative action. But I do want to make this one point. I saw a circumstance where uh, America's best, best F-16 pilot was put into virtual reality combat dogfights with uh, artificial intelligence, and this best combat pilot of the United States lost in every in every uh, simulated circumstance uh, uh. against artificial intelligence. But just to give you some idea, the point he made was that he takes seconds to react, uh, whereas artificial in intelligence takes milliseconds to react. Scary commentary, Andy. Scary commentary indeed. So uh, before I let you go, uh, any, uh, I'd love to get you, the Supreme Court, by the way, has made some fantastic decisions, and it's great to see that they're upholding the Constitution in so many different ways. I did want to get your thoughts about affirmative action. Well, we're not going to have time to fully develop it, but let me just make, make one point, that any qualified African-American has no problem getting admitted to college or getting a job. So again, if that's true, and it is true, obviously we can document the truth of that, that means that the people being chosen by affirmative action are not qualified, by definition. So do we really want these people, in fact, in major uh, organizations uh, affecting the outcome for other Americans, or in fact going into colleges where they're underprepared or unprepared in total, uh, and in fact that the only way to keep them uh, enrolled is by, in fact, reducing the uh, the standards for the school. So those are my immediate comments. But the, the comment that suggests that no qualified black has any problem getting uh, enrolled in a college or getting a job, uh, is certainly true and can be documented. So then the issue is uh, not to, in fact, uh, change the, 
the ultimate playing field in which the the African Americans admitted. But to look at the factors that have created uh, the underperformance for some blacks, whether it's the home or the inner city culture, whatever it might be, yeah. and change that. But you can't you can't just ignore that uh, and and move around that as affirmative action does. Well, let's get back to SATs and let's get back to meritocracy and rewarding people for good results and so forth. I mean, I think a lot of this has distracted us from, I think it's led us down a road towards mediocrity. So uh, it's very refreshing. And I agree with you, Andy, 100 uh, percent. And I hope that uh, this decision that affects colleges will affect every aspect of our life. Well, we'll have to see about that. It seems to be a, a focused decision at this point uh, just for college admissions. Uh, but again, I think this is something that needs wider application, uh, not only for the sake of the, of the society and uh, the impact that affirmative action makes, but also for the sake of the African-American community. As I mentioned last week, Thomas Sowell has documented completely that the people who uh, need the most to help most help in this country are denied it because of the existence of affirmative action. Yeah. So this does not help the black community that needs help. Well, not only that, but you know what? Uh, college admissions are down. People are showing less and less interest. I don't think there's going to be any problem for people getting into college, at least some college that they'll be able to uh, to attend. So, Andy, I always appreciate your commentary on the show. I would just refer our listeners to your book, uh, Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining Glad us. Glad we got the extra time today, Bob. Uh, me as well. Thank you, Andy. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests for tomorrow's show as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. It's a great way to support our advertisers, and we couldn't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>